Hey, glad to see you all back. Got a really good group of men here again tonight. Uh, we've entitled uh, this uh, uh, class Man to Man. So we're just having some, uh, some talks, just man, uh, man to man. Uh, we're talking, first of all, we're talking about the man and his manhood. And uh, so I'm just going to give you a real quick recap on that, and then we'll uh, move on. Uh, to become a better man, there are at least three things that I said that is absolutely essential for us to know. And the first thing we need to know, and that is we need to know whose we are, whose we are. And uh, the answer to that is we're God's special and prized creation. And uh, we are his sons, and he's very proud of us and desperately wants to have a relationship with us. Uh, he's not just some majestic being in the sky, untouchable and unreachable, but he's like our father or like the father that we wanted to have. If you didn't have that kind of a father, he, he values us and cares for us and, and, and wants to validate us and wants to have a relationship with us. So we need to know whose we are. We are, we are. we are the sons of the Most High God. Second thing we need to know um, is we need to know who we are. don't just need to know whose we are, but we also need to know who we are. We need to know that we did not come off of an assembly line. Uh, God didn't make a, a mold for all the Mikes and one for all the Jerrys and one for all the Franks, but God made each and every one of us unique and different. We are so different that we are told that not one person with almost 7 billion people in the world today, yet not any, no, no two people have the same fingerprints. That's incredible, isn't it? That's amazing. That's how unique and special that we are. Uh, and we need to understand that. Understand that God made each of us, uh, as I said, unique and special and different. Psalm 139, verse 14. The psalmist says, thank you. Uh, God, for making me so wonderfully complex, your workmanship is marvelous. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 13, you shaped me both inside and outside. We talked last week about the fact that it's the inside stuff that really gets complicated, the inside stuff. The outside, not so much, but the inside, definitely. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 Paul writes, and he says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we talked about last week about the fact that, you know, most people say, you know, they, they talk about man, they talk about him being body, soul, and spirit. Well, we are actually spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. Um, we understand that our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Uh, we talked last Wednesday night about the fact that our personality is a big part of our emotional makeup. Um, we spent 45 minutes talking about the four basic um, personalities. We talked about their different traits, their differences, their strengths, and their weaknesses. We talked about the fact that most people are very, very strong in one of those four personalities, and then they have a secondary part, maybe a sprinkling of the other, but mostly it's one strong and, 
another one that kind of comes along as, as a support. How many of you had any fun with that? Did you take it home and talk with your family like I said? Did anybody do that? Was it kind of fun? Was it, did, you, did, you, did, you, did you see different people in your family as you looked at those traits and things? I'm seeing some heads going up and down, so I take that as a yes. So we talked, we talked a, a lot about that. By the way, if you were not here last Wednesday night, I encourage you to get online and listen. I think it can be very, very helpful uh, to you. All right, let's move on. The third thing that we need to discover in order to become a better man is we need to understand uh, why we are here. Why we are, why we are here. Um, you are here because God wanted you here. Um, Isaiah 43 and verse 7 says, I have created you for my glory. I have formed you. Yes, I have made you. So you and I are on planet earth because God wanted us here. We were born because it was God's will that we were born. Your mama and your daddy might or might not have ordered you. I was not ordered. I was not planned. I was not necessarily wanted because they already had their family and already had two boys. So I wasn't necessarily wanted or needed or, or ordered, but, 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 I, but, I, but I came along. And why? Because, because God wanted me here. And, uh, and I will tell you, after I got here, my mama wanted me here, too, because I was a pretty baby, all right? So, and I'm, I was a mama's boy also, all right? But uh, it doesn't matter whether you were wanted, whether you were ordered, whether it was a plan. It was God's plan. It was God's will. You were God's idea, and you are here by divine appointment. And, uh, and you're also here because God has a job for you to do. He has a job for you to do. He has a role for you to play. God needed you to be somebody's child, uh, somebody's husband, somebody's father, somebody's grandfather, uh, somebody's friend, somebody's employer or employee, somebody's mentor, somebody's link to Jesus. In order to get somebody to Jesus, he needed you. To be a part of that plan. And uh, God has a job for you. He's got a plan for you. Not just for the preacher. Not just for the missionary. God has a plan for you. And he's got a place for you. And, uh, and you're important to him and his kingdom. You're an important link to what God wants to, wants to do in this world. I'll never forget uh, many years ago. Um, uh, the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night and spoke to me very, very plainly and gave me specific instructions and told me to move to a certain city I'd never been to in my life and to begin a brand new church there, plant a church right there, told me the name of it, told me where to plant it, all of those things. And so we started the process of, uh, of, 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 of obeying God and doing those things. And, uh, uh, and so in the, part of that process was I put my house up for sale. And long story short, uh, some friends stopped by, saw the for sale sign, asked why we were selling our house. I told them the story of how we were going to a certain city. God had 
awakened me in the middle of the night. God had spoken to me. God had given me specific directions and told me to plant a church, told me where to do it, told me where to locate it, told me what to call the church, all of those things before I ever went. And I told this, these people, and, and a few minutes later, this, uh, uh, the lady of this couple, uh, who was a very godly lady and a lady that knew how to hear from God, she was also a former member from a few years back, and she said, Pastor, she said, the Lord has revealed to me that you are going there as the direct result of somebody's prayer. And so fast forward it uh, from that point, probably a year, maybe nine months to a year. And uh, we are in that city. We have opened that church. We've called it that name. We're having church. This family shows up. I go to their house to Thank him for coming and encourage him to keep coming to our church. And the lady says, you know why you're here, don't you? And I said, well, yes, ma'am, I know why I'm here because I told her the story. I told her the date. I told her the place. I told her the time that God spoke to me. She said, no. She said, you are here because we prayed for you. We are here because for the last five years we asked God to send us an Assemblies of God minister to plant a new church in our city. And you are here because of our prayers. So what am I saying? Why am I here? Well, for one thing, uh, I am, uh, I, I, I'm here because I needed to be the answer to Linda Green's prayer. I mean, still tracking with me. You're still tracking with me? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, so, and I could tell you other stories, I could tell you about a pastor friend whose wife went off the deep end and he ended up with a divorce, ended up losing his church. And, uh, uh, he was a dear friend, and I walked him through that process. One of the reasons I'm on planet Earth is because this man, I won't call him by name, but this man needed a friend. He needed somebody to lean on. He needed somebody to walk him through the experience. I'm telling you, you're here by divine appointment. God has a plan for your life, and he's using you, and, he's, uh, and, and, and you're special in, in his kingdom. I'm here today because Bob and Martha Benson would need a son to lean on in their old age. Uh, I'm here I'm because Don Austin needed a, a, a husband, and Chad needed a, a father, and Kristen needed a father, and, and this church would need a seasoned pastor when it was going through its darkest hour. You are here because God wanted you here. You are here because God has a specific job for you to do. There are two distinct purposes that God gave to the man. Uh, the first uh, job is uh, is provision, or first purpose. The, f- the first purpose is for provision. It is our job uh, as as the man to provide for our families. Uh, one of the reasons why man gains value from what he does or from his profession, although that in, a, in and of itself is not enough, but one of the reasons why men gain value uh, from what they do or from their profession is because it's how God made him. It's the makeup God made of, of man. Genesis 2 and 15 says that God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Uh, so God made man to be a provider. Uh, he made woman to be a nurturer. Okay, First uh, Timothy 
Chapter 5 and verse 8 says, If a man does not provide for his family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So one of the purposes for man is to be a provider. The second purpose is for protection. Protection. God made the man bigger. He made the man stronger than he did the woman because God made the man to be the protector of his wife and the protector of his children. First Peter 3 and 7 says that, that, that the woman is the weaker vessel, the weaker vessel, and it's talking about uh, physically, physically weaker. Um, and, and so God made man the stronger vessel, the stronger uh, being to be able to protect uh, his wife, be able to protect his children. But not just physically, but uh, also uh, the man should offer spiritual protection, spiritual protection. Uh, the man is the priest of the home. The man is the priest of the home. Uh, and as the priest of the family, uh, uh, that that uh, man is to protect to protect that that family. Uh, I pray a hedge of protection over my family. I try to every single day. Um, I take my responsibility as priest of my family very very seriously, um, and uh, that that includes. Uh, my wife, it includes my children, it includes my, my grandchildren. Um, I call every single family member's name in prayer and pray specifically over every single family member and pray a, a hedge of protection and I plead the blood of Jesus over my family every, every single day. Jesus said in Luke 12 and 39, he said, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Uh, we need to be watching over our house. We need to be watching over our house. We need to be the priest of our home. We need to be the protector of our, of our family, not just physically, but but spiritually. John 10 and 10, the thief, Satan, comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. Uh, the devil wants to steal your family. He wants to destroy your, your, your family. Uh, he wants to, uh, to, to kill them spiritually. He wants to destroy their soul. He wants to destroy their life. It's our job as husband and as fathers to protect our wife and protect our children, not just physically, what, what man would allow someone to come into his home and, and rape his wife or his children or, or harm them? And no way. No way it's going to happen. He's going to do whatever. He's going to take whatever measures he can uh, to protect that wife and protect that, that, those children. And the same should be with us with them spiritually. We need to be watching over them. We need to know what they're doing. We need to know who their friends are. We need to know what they're doing on Facebook. We need to know and all the other, and they're not even on Facebook anymore because that's just for us old people anymore. But we need to know what they are doing in social media, and we need to be, we need to be watching over it. Amen? And we need, to be, we need to be protecting them in the spirit world. We need to be praying over them. We need to be praying blessing over them. We need to be rebu rebuking the enemy over them. We need to be uh, living the life before them. We need to be their protector. Amen? 
You still tracking with me? Um, all right, there you have it. Three things that are absolutely essential um, in every man's life in order for him to possess self-worth, feel that his life has value. Because without a reasonable amount of self-worth, without a, a man believing that his life has value, he will have trouble adding value to his wife and to his children or to anyone else. All right, so a man must discover whose he is, who he is, and why he is here. So um, we're going to end right there on that, talking about uh, the man and his manhood. Now I want to talk to you tonight for the last uh, part of this uh, lesson for about 30 minutes or so. Uh, I want to talk to you about, uh, about the man uh, as a husband, the man, uh, the man as a husband. Uh, everyone have this sheet here that says 10 tips for husbands. Do you have it? Anybody not have it? Now I see some guys in here, you don't have it? Keep your hand up and Olu will make sure that you get them or... Uh, all right, and I see some guys in here that are not husbands, and so he said, well, I might as well check out. No, if you're not a husband, uh, you need to be in here because someday you're going to be, and uh, you, can, uh, you, you can get a, a, a little advance help on this, all right? So uh, 10 tips for, for husbands. Now, I just uh, randomly... Uh, uh, wrote these down. Uh, I could give you ten more tips, okay? So, uh, and when I'm done, I'll think of some things I wish I'd have said. And I, but there's just only having a lot of time, and don't let ten things worry worry you because we're gonna get here. We're gonna get out of here on time or or earlier than that, okay? And uh, so, but like I said, these are not the only tips I could give you. Many, many more, but just 10 that we're going to share tonight. Proverbs 18 and 22 says, A man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Do you look at your wife as a treasure? Um, so let me start with 10 tips for husbands. The first one, the first tip I would give you as a husband is to love your wife unconditionally. Love your wife unconditionally. Um, Ephesians 5 and 25 says, Husbands, love your wives in the same way. Say in the same way. Husbands, love your wives in the same way Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? Did he love the church because the church was perfect? Did he? Did he love the church because it didn't have any flaws? How did he love the church? Unconditionally. Yeah, he loved the church unconditionally. So husbands, love your wives in the same way Christ loved the church. So love your wife unconditionally. Um, it's a choice we make, not a feeling we have. It's a choice we make, not a feeling we have. Feelings change. Um, feelings increase and they decrease. And uh, love must be more than just a feeling, okay? More than just a feeling. And not only is uh, uh, love, not only is it a, ch a choice we make, not a feeling we have, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment that will be challenged. 
Loving your wife unconditionally will be challenged um, because people change. People change. Um, uh, life changes us with new seasons. Life changes us. We change as, as we go through seasons. I'm not that same uh, 17-year-old kid that I was when I married my wife 46 years ago. Uh, there's a lot of basic things about me that's the same, but there's many, many things that are much, much different. She's not the same uh, either. Life changes us with each new season. Uh, you know, you add bills, uh, you add kids, uh, you add sickness, um, you add time, uh, you add uh, uh, adversity, uh, you add struggles, um, and, and that's when uh, commitment comes in. Uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto them as long as you both shall live, so help you God. Um, to love your wife unconditionally, it's a commitment that will be challenged will be challenging, and for some, it'll be more, much more challenging than others, but for everyone at some point in time, if you've been married for more than five years, you will know, and especially if you've been married for more than 20 years, you will know, you will know that, uh, that this commitment will be challenged from time to time, but love your wife unconditionally. Just draw the line in the sand. I love her. I love her because I, because I choose. I I chose her. She chose me. Done deal. Done deal. It ain't like, you know, uh, 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 money back guarantee. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, trade them in. You know, uh, after a hundred thousand miles, it's 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 till death do us part. Amen. Now, I understand not everybody in here has done that, okay? I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, I'm, but listen, I've got to teach the truth no matter what, okay? So, um, and anyway, I, won't, I just won't go down that road. I don't have time to go down that road. All right, the second tip that I would give you as a husband is don't cheat on her. Now, I, I know that's just, you know, you should know that, okay? That's 101 stuff, Right? Um, but don't cheat on her, but it would, I'm going to go a little deeper than that. Uh, Hebrews 13 and four says, give honor to each other in marriage and remain faithful. Say, remain faithful, remain faithful. faithful. Uh, don't cheat on her. First of all, don't, don't cheat on her through inappropriate relationships, inappropriate relationships. Um, Proverbs uh, 6, verse 32 through um, 35 says, But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. For the woman's jealous husband will be furious, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation, nor be satisfied with a payoff of any size. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on her, first of all, through inappropriate relationships. 
But I'm not just referring to adultery. I'm not just referring to a sexual affair. Uh, How many know it's also possible to have an emotional affair? An emotional affair. Um, Let me just say this. If you are closer to someone of the opposite sex than you are to your wife, then that is an inappropriate relationship. If you say things to somebody else that's not your wife of, of the opposite sex that you're not saying to your wife, then that's an inappropriate relationship. Hello? How many still tracking with me? Okay, so don't cheat on her. Don't cheat on her, first of all, through an inappropriate relationship. Number two, don't cheat on her uh, through your imagination. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Okay, we're just talking man to man, right? Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Jesus said, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So don't cheat on your wife through your imagination. See, according to Jesus, lust equals adultery. According to Jesus, you don't have to commit the full act to commit adultery. Lust, according to Jesus, lust equals adultery. Uh, If you fantasize about another woman... Or undress someone with your eyes. Or look at pornography. You have cheated on your wife. According to Jesus. Through your imagination. Okay? So don't cheat on your wife, not not through inappropriate relationships, not through your imagination. And this one will really get you, not through improper priorities. You, You don't even have to lust. You don't even have to commit adultery to cheat on your wife. When you place anyone or anything other than your personal relationship with Jesus, you placed anyone or anything before your wife, whether that be a job, whether that be a hobby, whether that be a person, you have cheated on them by placing them ahead of her. I mean, still tracking with me. Yeah, even golf. Even golf. All right, so don't cheat on her. Number three. We'll lighten it up a little bit, okay? Uh, Celebrate your differences. Celebrate. Say celebrate. Celebrate your differences. The Bible says, in the beginning, God made Adam and Eve. 
not Adam and Steve. And thank God for the difference. Amen? How many believe God did better the second time around? He made man. He looked at him. He said, boy, I can beat that. And he made woman. And boy, he did a lot better job, didn't he? Amen? And, and unlike our government, I don't have a problem uh, telling the two apart. How about you? Uh, celebrate your differences. But I'm not just talking about the obvious outward differences. Men and women are polar opposites. By design, on purpose, God's plan. But the two opposites come together and make a really good team. Both to get out on their own, they kind of wibble and wobble. But man, together, they kind of, you know, they make that, Make a, good, a really good team. They balance each other out. Let me just give you some really quick differences. Men are physical. Women are verbal. Men are physical. Women are verbal. Men interact by doing. Women interact by talking. All right, we can spend a whole lesson on this. I'm just hitting, just running really fast. Number two, men are logical. Women are emotional. Men are logical, women are emotional. Every decision a man makes is based on logic. Two plus two equals four. And if it, you add it all up, whatever it is you're trying to decide, if it, two and two don't make four, can't do it. Because men are logical. And they make all their decisions based on logic. Women are not logical. They're not logical. They're emotional. And they make all of their decisions by how they feel. How they feel. How they feel. And I'm going to tell you, after 46 years, now it didn't take me 46 years, but it did take me a few years to learn it. When my wife tells me I don't feel good about that, I've learned I better listen. Because her feelings is better than my logic. Because it may be logical, it may be, it may be logical, but I don't, I remember one time, and this is just one that comes to mind, when I wanted to do a deal, a, a, a business deal, and two and two made four, man, it was a, it was a no-brainer, man, it was a money maker, it was it, 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 and my wife said, I don't have a good feeling about it, I said, oh, but looky here, man, looky here, look at the chart, look at the graph, look at the, man, look at this, it, two and two adds up to four, here it is, I don't feel good about it. Oh, I did it. I regretted it. Two and two added up to four. But at the end of the day, I was a knucklehead for not listening to my wife. Okay? So we need to understand that. Men are logical. Women are emotional. We make our decisions by logic. That's good. That's important. They need our logic, but we need their Intuition, we need their feeling as well. Okay, uh, number three, men are impersonal, women are personal. Men are impersonal, women are personal. A man needs an acquaintance, a woman needs an intimate friend. And I'm not saying men don't need a good friend, but I'm telling you that most men, if they have I think the statistic is in their whole life, if they have three genuine, real, lasting, 
personal relationships, they're above the, they're, they're, they're above the norm in their whole life. And you look back, I'm not talking about acquaintances, I'm not talking about somebody to play golf with or somebody to hang out with. Or, I'm talking about somebody you can share your life with and share your most intimate thoughts and feelings with. It just doesn't happen very often in, in men. It's, it's, it's unusual if, when it does happen. Uh, but man, really, most of the time, he's just looking for acquaintances. He's just looking for, you know, surface relationships, somebody to hang out with, somebody to to, to just go do stuff with, uh, a buddy to do things with. Women need a, someone to share their heart with, okay? Now, that can be a little different, and especially if you're a one particular personality, it can be a little more different, uh, but... Again, these are, these are just across the board things. There's a little ebb and flow with all of this, all right? Uh, the next one, men, it says like, but it should be are. Men are nomadic, nomadic, and uh, women like roots. Women like roots. Uh, men like a challenge. Uh, uh, they want a bigger hill to climb than the last one. Um, the woman, uh, they like to nest on the same hill. They're not ready to go to the next hill. They want to nest on the hill they're at, okay? They're, they're settled. And uh, I'll also will tell you, you move your wife, you better give her two years before she even gets close to getting settled. Uh, you're going to go to work in about six weeks. You're going to be comfortable and you're okay and you're doing great and and uh, and she's at home sucking her thumb. You better give her at least two years to even close to get settled. And, uh, and by that time, you're ready to go take on another hill. <laughs> but she's not. I wish I'd learned this a long time ago before I drug my wife all over the country. All right, men are nomadic, women like roots. Uh, the next one, men, sing, men see long range, women see short range. Uh, men see what it could be. Oh, man, if, we t- if I take this job, you know, uh, man, I get, I get paid on commission, you know. And, and, and so, man, every time I make a sale, I get, I get, I get a commission. Wow. Oh, that's awesome, man. There's, the sky's the limit, man. I'm ready. Come on. And she goes, but there's no salary. There's no salary. You haven't sold anything yet. He sees the long range. He sees what it could be. She sees what it is. He looks at the fixer-upper house and says, man, you know, man, with hardwood floors and you know, and, 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 and tile and, and, and uh, 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 new countertops and, and you know, and uh, he, he, you know, he sees what it could be. She sees a shack. <laughs> it helps to understand a little bit, guys, why, why, why we think the way we do and the way they think, how they think. The last one, men are sexually stimulated by what they see. Women are sexually stimulated by what they feel. Uh, sexually, men are like a microwave. 
or instant, just one look or even one thought of their wife. And unless they're over a certain age, they're, they're ready to go. And I ain't reached that age either, in case you're wondering about that. They're ready to go, man. Come on. A woman, on the other hand, she's like a crockpot, just slow warm-up, slow warm-up. And uh, men can compartmentalize, women can't. It's the reason why you can have a fight with your wife before you leave work, and you can come home, and you're ready for dinner, and, and come on, baby, let's have some, some hot lovemaking. You know, you're ready, come on. And she's still brewing over what you said to her in the kitchen. So let me, tell, let me help you out, guys. Sex begins in the kitchen. Now, I didn't tell you to have sex on the, kitchen, on the kitchen table, and there's nothing wrong with that either as long as the kids are not home. Okay? Not against that either as long as the kids aren't home, all right? Uh, but I, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is that uh, you can't treat your wife bad early in the day and expect to be sizzling hot in the bedroom that night. Uh, we can compartmentalize, they can't. And, uh, and we need to understand, understand that. All right, I've got to hurry, hurry, hurry here. All right, number four, don't stop dating her. I'm giving you some tips. Don't stop dating her. Continue to do what it took to get her. Continue to do what it took to get her. Men love the chase, man. We love the chase. Uh, most men stop doing what they did when they were pursuing her. They pers- do whatever it takes to get her, and then once they get her, then they stop doing that because they, 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 they've caught her. They've caught her. Now it's time to go do something else. Well, good luck with that, guys. Good luck with that. Okay? Uh, discover and develop similar interest. Discover and develop similar interest. Uh, do some of what she likes to do. Do some things that you like to do, but find things that you both like to do, both like to do, okay? Uh, And learn to compromise, learn to compromise. Uh, I watch Hallmark movies. Do I like Hallmark movies? Not necessarily, but my wife loves them. So I watch Hallmark movies. Don't watch them all the time. Don't watch them every night. But I watch Hallmark movies with my wife. She watches Dateline with me. Okay? She don't like Dateline, you know, but I love it. And we've watched so much of it. If either one of us die in the next little while, you might want to investigate because we've watched a lot of Dateline. Actually, I've watched enough of it to know you're not going to get away with it. It might be five years or ten years or five months, but they're going to catch you, okay? And forensic files will really help you know that, okay? So anyway, learn to compromise. All right, moving right on. We need, number five, learn how to fight. Yeah, learn how to fight. Conflict is inevitable. You won't always agree on everything. You won't always agree on everything. Uh, pick your battles. Pick your battles. My dad always used to say, you can be right or you can be happy. You can be right or you can be happy. You can't be both most of the time. Not when you're married. Um, ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Um, 
does it really even matter? When I think about some of the things me and my wife have fussed about over the years, I'm thinking, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Does it really even matter? Who cares? Who cares? Uh, pick your battles. Uh, here's a good one. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. Uh, never make your wife feel like you think she's uh, dumb because she doesn't see something the way that you see it. Keep it about the issue, not about them. Keep it about the issue, not about them. Uh, watch your words. Watch your words. Refrain from using words like always. Well, you always. Well, you never. Well, first of all, that's not true. Okay? But don't use always. And when you're, I'm talking about when you're fighting. Don't use the word always. Don't use the word never. You never. Uh, don't use the word you. Uh, use words like sometimes uh, or occasionally or use words like us. Use words like we, not, not you. And then, and then take the high road. Take the high road. Own your mistakes. Own your mistakes. Take the fall. Uh, be first to apologize. Even if you don't think you were wrong, be the first to, to, to apologize. You know what I've, I've, I've discovered when you, when you say, you know, man, I'm so sorry, baby. It, man, I, that, was all, that, was, that was all me. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, that was just all me. It's all my fault, and I'm sorry. And as soon as I say it was all my fault, immediately she starts saying, well, you know, it wasn't all your fault. Well, 30 seconds ago she said it was. But now it's not. So, you know, baby, it wasn't, wasn't or say, baby, it was, all, it was all my fault, and I'm sorry. And, I'm, you know, nine times out of ten, she'll come up and she'll say, you know, well, it wasn't all your fault, you know. And, yeah, it's part my, I'm to blame, too, and, and, uh, and, and, and all of that, okay? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something else. Come here, Mark. It's, it's, hard, to, it's, a hard, it's hard to fight somebody. It's hugging you. Come on, hit me. Hit me, Mark. Hit me. Hit me. Come on, hit me hard. Come on, hit me hard. Come on, you sissy. Hit me hard. Come on. <laughs> hard to hit me when I'm hugging you, right? Yeah. Hard to hit you. But yeah. You know, if I'm out here, it's pretty good. You know, I mean, hit me if you can find an opening, you know. Come on. <laughs> uh, but uh, hard to hit. Hard to fight somebody that's hugging you, okay? You still tracking with me? All right, number six, we're doing good here. We're going, to be, we're going to do good here. Number six, understand her basic needs. Understand her basic needs. Let me give you her basic needs, a woman's basic needs. First of all, a woman's first basic need is for affection. A woman needs affection. I didn't say sex. That's your need. And I didn't say your wife wouldn't like sex or want sex or wouldn't be a need for her, but it's across the board, uh, it's your need, not hers, okay? So she needs affection. She need, actually, she needs non-sexual affection. Not saying she doesn't need sex, but I'm telling you, she, that ain't all she needs. She needs non-sexual affection. She needs tenderness. She needs hugs. She needs touches. She needs to hear you say, I love you. She needs, she, she needs you to show her in non-sexual ways that you love and care for her as a person. Uh, she needs you to be uh, affectionate to her 
not just when you're wanting it to lead into the bedroom, okay? And she's going to know that. She needs non-sexual affection. Number two, she needs communication. She needs you to talk to her, and she needs you to listen to her without trying to fix her problem. And that's hard for us men because we fix things. That's what we do. We're doers. We fix things. So we think that when our wife is telling us her problem, she's saying, oh, my, my all-wise, uh, sufficient, uh, all-knowing, all-powerful husband, would you fix my problem? That's not what is happening. She processes verbally. She processes through, through talking And so she needs communication. She needs you to talk to her and listen to her without trying to fix her problem. Uh, And listen to her and don't offer advice unless she asks for it. Just listen and and make sure she knows you're listening, not just, you know, because if you can't repeat what she just said, you ain't listening, okay? So... um, uh, don't offer advice unless she asks for it. And then, and then don't be upset if she doesn't take it. Don't be upset if she don't take your advice because she probably didn't want it in the first place. She probably already knew what she was going to do before she asked you and before she talked to you about it. But she is processing. So let her process and don't try and fix her. Okay, Uh, another basic need she has is is inclusion. Inclusion. She she needs you to open up to her and let her into your world. And that's why she asks 20 questions. It's because you're not telling her anything. And she thinks you're shutting her out. And uh, actually what is happening, at least for me, is I've used up all my words. And, and women have about three times more words than men do in a day. And, uh, and, and I have run out of words. And I've already used them. And so you probably ought to be talking in the morning, not in the evening, before you use up all your words. And you think I'm kidding, but I'm really, I'm really not. But she needs inclusion. She needs you to, you to she, when she's asking you questions, she's not really trying to be nosy. She might be a little, but that's not all it's about. Uh, she just wants to be included in your world. And let me tell you, let me help you out here, guys. Don't let her find out important things about you or what you are doing through somebody else. How do I know that? Just do it once. Hello, still tracking with me? All right, what else does she need? Her other basic need is security. She needs security. Let me tell you about your wife. Before she was your wife, she was her daddy's little girl. And her daddy, and this isn't true across the board, but for many and maybe most, her daddy doted on her. And spoiled her and provided for her. And she never worried that her daddy wasn't going to take care of her. She never worried that her daddy would not provide for her. And, and her daddy 
her daddy provided security for her. And, and she needs you to provide security for her. Um, she needs a house. Uh, she needs women things. That's furniture and drapery or whatever, not drapery, but you know, I mean, she needs women things. She needs stuff. Doesn't make her, she's a woman. She needs those things. Um, you know, you're okay with a mattress on the floor and, you know, she ain't, okay? She ain't. Um, she needs you to have a good, stable job. That's what she needs. She needs to know when you're leaving, when you're coming home. She needs to know how much you're going to make. She needs to know, she needs, she needs security. That's who she is. That's what God, how God made her. You need to understand that. Number seven, don't compare your marriage to anyone else's. Second Corinthians 10 and 12 says it's unwise to compare. Here's what you need to understand. People only let you see what they want you to see. People only let you see what they want you to see. People are good at putting up a front. Uh, Things usually look pretty good on the outside. You might be shocked at what you find beyond the front door. You might be shocked. You know, I remember looking at houses when we were looking for a house, the many times that we've done that in our life, looking for a house. And you go through this neighborhood, and here's this really nice neighborhood, you know, and, and it's really nice, and, and uh, everything's good. Like in our neighborhood, it's not a gated area, but it is a, an HOA area so that, you know, uh, I've got more than one letter because there were three... Uh, there were three uh, uh, weeds sticking up in my flower bed, so I got a letter, okay? And, and, I'm, and it's good. It's good. And uh, don't need to be three. Sure don't need to be 30, okay? And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, but uh, you can go, you know, go to a nice neighborhood, and, 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 man, you're looking for a house. You see this house, and, man, it's just, it looks so nice. It looks so good. How many ever looked for a new house? And then, and then the realtor opens the door and you step inside. How many has been shocked when you've stepped inside? I mean, I've, I've stepped inside and I've had to step over dirty underwear. I've had to step over dog poop. I've opened the door and walked into a beautiful home that stunk, that was trashed. How many has been there, done that, bought the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. People only let you see what what they want you to see, you might be shocked at what you find beyond the door. It might be a really good curb appeal, and then you open the front door. Don't compare your marriage with anyone else's because you don't really know what that marriage is. Have you ever had someone get a divorce in your family or a friend or whatever, and you, you didn't have a clue, only to find out they were putting on a show? It was a facade. It looked good until you got past the front door. So don't 
don't, don't, don't compare your marriage to someone else's, to anyone else's, because you really don't know what's going on once you get past the front door. Number eight, give your wife some space. Give your wife some space. Don't smother her. Don't smother her. She needs a life outside of you. Not saying don't be close to your wife. Not saying that's not the closest relation. It is. But she needs a, a life outside of you. Don't smother her. Don't be jealous of her other relationships. Don't be jealous of her other relationships. She's not just a wife. She's a daughter. She's a mother. She's a friend. She might be a co-worker. And the list goes on and on. She's, she needs a life outside of you. Don't smother her. Don't be jealous of her other relationships. And, and third, give her some alone time. Give her some alone time. And everyone is different. Discover what, what works best for, for both of you. Discover what she needs and then give it to her. Number nine, and I'm hurrying because I'm going to get out on time. I promised I would. I'm going to. Number nine, don't be unrealistic. Don't be unrealistic. Let me tell you, it's not your wife's job to make you happy. It's not your wife's job to make you happy. Happiness is a choice. Here's what I know, and that is unhappy people tend to be unhappy. I'm going to tell you something. If they were unhappy before they were married, they'll probably be unhappy after they're married. And if you're dating somebody that's unhappy, I think I'd find somebody else to date because unhappy people tend to be unhappy. And marrying somebody is not going to fix your unhappiness. It's not your wife's job to make you happy. Not your job to make your wife happy. And, and Hollywood paints an untrue picture of love and sex. And you need, to know, you need to know that. You need to know that. See, in between once upon a time and they lived happily ever after lies a whole lot of hard work. Every, every marriage has its struggles. Every marriage goes through difficult seasons and different seasons. And successful marriages require a lot of love, understanding, commitment, and tenacity. And number 10, and finally, I got three minutes. Don't lose your wife to your kids. Don't lose your wife to your kids. You had your wife before your kids, hopefully. That's the way it's supposed to be. You had, your kids bef- you had your wife before your kids. You will have your wife, hopefully, after your kids. Don't lose your wife to your kids. You will have to work twice as hard on your marriage after you have kids. It will be easy to lose focus. It will be easy for you to focus on your job or your career and her to focus on the kids. Don't let that happen. If your home life becomes totally focused on the kids, there won't be anything left of the marriage once the last kid moves out. And that is why you need a date night. And that is why you need a week, a weekend away without the kids from time to time. And that's why you need to fight for time together. And let me tell you, the only way, if you have kids at home, the only way you're going to have time together and alone time is if you schedule it. Only what gets scheduled gets done. 
Right? Now, if you're an empty nester and you find your marriage is in trouble because you allowed the marriage to die because of a misdirected focus while the kids were growing up, it's not too late. It's not too late. Your marriage can be restored. It's going to take refocusing. It's going to take dating again. It's going to take you pursuing them again. It's going to take hard work. But in the end, it'll be worth it. And always remember, love is a decision for better for worse, in, for, in, whether rich or poor, until death do us part. Father, thank you for the time that we have had together, and I just pray that you'll take uh, these remarks tonight and these words, Father, and I pray that you'll help them, especially the, the, the pure uh, truth of your word, uh, Lord, help it. Father, I pray for anyone in here that's struggling in their marriage, Father, I pray that you will help them. God, I pray that you'll help us become better men, because only as we become better men will we become better husbands. Help us, Father, not just to be hearers of your word, but be doers and put in practice what we've received tonight. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.